0: Welcome to the People First podcast, a podcast on HR for churches and ministries. I'm your host Tim Foote, Vice President of Experience at SlingShot Group, joined by Lewis Galucci of Missio Benefits and Cassid Berry, Search and Coaching Associate with SlingShot Group. Hi guys. Hey everybody. As we explore the world of HR in churches and ministries, it seems important to discuss budgeting for this area. And it's interesting, you know, as we uh, talk in Slingshot Group, uh, it's it's often. Uh education piece for churches when we remind them and ministries when we remind them that it's easy to think about budgeting for equipment and budgeting for buildings but uh, budgeting for people sometimes you have to really prioritize that and so uh, that's why we're here today to to chat a bit about how we think around budgets for hr but before we do that uh, i want to i want to have lewis tell us a little bit about uh, missio benefits
1: yeah, thanks, Tim. Uh, Missio Benefits, it's the association health plan, big fancy word for big uh, healthcare program tied to Missio Nexus. Uh, for those of you not familiar with Missio, it's one of the largest or the largest evangelical Christian associations in the U.S. And the benefits program, just think of like Amazon, Google,
0: big resources, big technology, uh, and bring bringing it down to your average church or ministry. That's great. At Slingshot Group, we work in the staffing and coaching world, building remarkable teams to serve churches and ministries, and also to help people love their work. Kessa, talk a little bit more about what we do?
2: Yeah, so we um, just love making connections for churches that are looking for next level staff and um, helping match them with candidates that are a great fit for their team, uh, are going to hit the ground running and take them to where they need to go as a ministry or as an organization. Um, and watching the romance bud uh, as they get to know each other and and decide if it's a good fit. And then we also uh, do the coaching, which is just working with individuals um, to meet some goals, to figure out uh, where they need to go as a leader and then work with them and coach them to get there. Mm.
0: Uh, One thing I love about what we get to do is just uh, exploring different cultures, what makes churches and ministries unique, what makes teams tick, how to help them uh, increase impact and influence. And we work with uh, churches and ministries of all different sizes, some with just a few uh, team members, employees, some with hundreds. And uh, we know that Likewise, people listening to this podcast today are going to be from all different types of organizations. Some ministries probably don't even have uh, an HR budget, let alone a full-time HR person. Kesed, starting with you, what do you think are some of the baby steps that people can take when they start thinking and approaching HR?
2: Um, Yeah, so maybe best advice is have a budget for HR. (laughs) Um, uh, Think about, you know, where you want to add value for a team, um, how you want your team to be able to continue to grow, how you're going to be an attractive place to work, um, to bring in the right talent, to get you moving forward, and recognize that those expenses uh, on HR, they feel like, you know, maybe in your mind they're disposable expenses that you don't necessarily need to prioritize, but those are people expenses, and the people are the ones... Um, making it happen and moving the ball forward and getting ministry done and really bringing people through the doors of your church um, and impacting the kingdom. So any investment in your staff and your team, um, you know, really in the long term is a great uh, value and a great investment.
0: It's interesting in uh, being uh, in the experience space and worship production, communications, that kind of area, often we talk about a replacement budget for equipment and for facilities. And I think a good place to start in the HR area is a replacement budget for your people. Uh, We're going to talk in uh, other episodes about how we need to be developing a pipeline Uh, similarly we need to be developing a budget that requires the ability to uh, post for new positions to develop that pipeline to engage a search group chat a little bit about uh, that
2: yeah well i'd start with data like look back at your team uh year over year you know how many staff do you have what's your retention been like what's your overturn been um Turnover. you know, previously, what were the factors involved in that turnover? And try to come up with, here's how many staff we had to replace or new positions that we added that we needed help with recruiting on. um, And then budget based on that, based on your projections for growth, um, what your team's going to look like two years from now, start budgeting for it now, so that when those opportunities are open, whether it's a, a new add to your team for growth or it's back filling a position that's now vacant you're ready you have the resource needed um, to step into that new hire that selection process uh, with what you need to make it happen and it not to take forever Um, so yeah I'd I'd look at the history Mm -hmm. and then what are your projections for the future and just try to come up with a number that um, helps you put it in the budget
0: so we know that the budget isn't just, uh, about money. It's, it's about time and all kinds of resources. Uh, talk a little bit about how to make time to research and measure your staff. Like, do they even like working here?
2: There are so many great tools out there, um, to, to learn about how your staff's engaged on your team. One of my favorite ones is Gallup's, uh, 12 question survey and just, all these points of what makes a happy team member someone who feels engaged in their role, um, it's a fairly inexpensive survey, but getting the right data um, to really look at where are the hot spots on our team, where is low-hanging fruit uh, for us to implement some changes and make this a better place to work, um, and where can we start doing that now, and really look at what your staff is telling you about it, what, what it's like to be there. On the team,
0: yeah. What listeners might know about you, Kes, it is before coming to Slingshot Group, you were on the HR staff at Life Church, and I'd love to take it up a couple of levels and uh, have you speak to what you think the primary role of HR should actually be.
2: Well, I actually went to a, an HR conference, and during my time uh, there at Life Church, and um, a great leader that most of us are familiar with uh, said. The most important thing about HR is that you love people. Um, That that really truly is the motivation behind the decisions that you make, how you budget, um, what plans you put in place, what goals you set, what your review process looks like, what corrective action looks like, what uh, salary increases look like, that all of it comes from a place of really loving the people on your team and loving them well.
0: Part of... uh, uh Budgeting for churches that don't necessarily have an HR department is bringing in people from the outside to to consult and to coach. And I know you've been doing quite a bit of that with Slingshot since leaving Life Church. What does that look like?
2: So a lot of the coaching that I've uh, been able to do has been around staff health, um, organizational development. Really looking at your team, looking at the strengths of your team. Where are their gaps? Um, maybe reallocating some of those individuals to areas that better fit the gifts and skills that they have. Um, And also making room for bringing in great leaders to kind of fill in those gaps. Um, And then around employee engagement, staff health, uh, compensation studies. Uh, Geez, what else? Uh, (laughs) Lots of fun HR things, recruiting process. Um, A lot of churches, they don't have to staff very often. Um, They've mainly grown within the people that they hire into staff positions or people they already know, Um, and a lot of times the process isn't built um, to really fully assess the competency and the character and the culture fit of those individuals. Um, Or if you're hiring from outside, um, if you don't have a real clear process, every person coming on your team their processes look different from the other person coming on Um, it just creates this inconsistency of expectation they may come in with and you just muddle up how how great your recruiting process is your selection process Mm,
0: that's good so lewis let's get down to some of the practicalities here Uh, building an hr budget what what do you need to consider
1: ah here we go building a budget um one, where have we been? Where are we? Where do we want to go, and how do we get there? So you got to kind of look at, and and, and had touched on it. Where have we been? And so when you're looking at a budget, um, you know, and, and for starters, a lot of this stuff with budgets, a lot of it's outside the control of the actual ministry. If you're a church, a school, a nonprofit, I mean, look at healthcare. It's like the Russian roulette. Ooh, I hope it's a good year, and maybe we get a four percent renewal. Maybe we get twenty. We'll see. Like. Jesus help us Um, and a lot of it's like that but you can get a good indication of where you're going relative to your pool if you're a small ministry if you're self-insured looking at the historic renewals so what are we generally paying be conservative and use that as a baseline for where you're going and then the question is with leadership it's just a matter of mapping say okay here's where we're at does this make sense long term for us is this sustainable and I bet you a million bucks if you actually objectively look at it, if this happens again five years in a row, are we okay? And typically the answer is no, but the problem is most people aren't actually modifying strategy to get to where they objectively know they need to go, but it's this hard emotional thing because it's your benefits. It's, 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 oh my gosh, it's our healthcare, our well-being. We, we love our people. We care about them and their families. We can't take anything away. So it's a really complex issue when you really get down to it. Um, the key thing is understand where you've been. And then if, if it's unsustainable, which likely it will be just reality check. We it's us healthcare there who here's who here has heard the rumor that costs are going up. <laughs> And, and deductibles are going up, and out-of-pockets are going up. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. So the key thing is, look at, what you're at where you're at, and then if you offer multiple plans, likely one of them is more expensive than the other. Look at your contribution strategy. How much do your ministry actually pay for the health care by plan, by tier, so for employees, employee spouse, employee children, or for a family, and then actually create a, a budgeting tool. So a model where you can actually look, well, if we have people migrate from this plan to this plan, again, assuming you have that that whatever your average rate increase every year, if you actually model it out, just that alone, you'll be way ahead of, of most ministries, gosh, for that matter, most secular corporations or businesses in the United States, just to understand where you're at and how a movement of people from one plan to another that you may already be offering changes things. Um, if it doesn't, if you build that modeling tool, which is easy to do, there's there's lots of stuff. I mean, if you Google it, you can you can find stuff. Um, if, if one of your current plans doesn't help due to migration, pick a different plan. And then start thinking differently about strategy. That's a big conversation for another podcast on benefits strategy and all the various components. But just as far as talking to your CFO, or if you are the decision maker, just look with what you have. Figure out what normal is, where you're going, and then modify based off what you have.
0: What are the biggest traps uh, that you see people stepping into in ministries and churches? It, it's 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 good and it's bad. We care too much. Um, we
1: we love people. I mean, we 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 want to pour into people, and we wanna we wanna be the church, and it and it's awesome, and we ought to do that. But certain times we we lose sight um, of of where we're headed and how course correction um, is needed. We, we kind of don't see it. So you'll see these traps of, okay, well, we have to do this. This is what we've always done. We always have, we've always always offered these types of benefits and we've always paid 100% of the cost. And we, we've never asked our people to be consumers and actually think about how much primary care costs versus the emergency room or whatever. Um, those are big traps. And as believers, we ought to be okay with thinking differently about how we steward our utilization of the healthcare system. Um, if we do that, it, it, it benefits the family, our, our our people that work for us. It benefits us as a ministry. And honestly, it, it's something that just has to happen across the entire industry. Um, consumption patterns are not sustainable in their current form. So either we own it and we make positive changes, or we're on a crash course with something that's not fun. So. Think socialized healthcare. You know, you're not supposed to talk about that stuff. But if it's unsustainable, something has to give at some point. So it's on us to
0: do it. Yeah, I'm Australian, so I know all about socialized healthcare. <laughs> so uh, we run into a number of smaller ministry organizations or smaller churches that provide a stipend uh, that don't uh, are unable to provide uh health or benefits in fact um you know, you'll hear on a, another episode uh, a stat that 65 percent um, of uh, organizations under 100 employees offer no benefits um, what would you say lewis is that the biggest untruth or misnomer uh, that organizations have that don't provide benefits hmm
1: you know maybe that maybe that it's the, those, if, if I don't offer benefits to my employees, maybe the bi- biggest misconception is just they'll be okay. They're, they're you know, like, we, it, we don't need to, this isn't a focus. It's not a priority. And I think um, if we lived in Australia and we have a socialized system, great. Um, but the reality is healthcare is expensive. Um, and if a family, if something happens, um, you know, it can devastate a family financially. Um, I have I do this for a living. I have three kids, or even knowing what I'm doing, it hurts us financially because sometimes you just have bad years and that's with coverage, where we're having to make adjustments because I'm having to meet an $8,000 out of pocket maximum for my family. And that's knowing what I'm doing. Um, I can't imagine because life happens, uh, being in a situation where there's you, you got a, a five figure bill you got to figure out how to pay. Um, and if you're in ministry, you're like, likely not making buco bucks. So that's, that's a big issue that needs to be dealt with. Um, you know, we've, we've actually seen situations where a city has gotten upset with a ministry because they have a concentration of people in a small area that aren't insured. And it's literally putting a financial burden on government, on the healthcare system itself. It, uh, I think it's it, to stick our heads in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist is not the answer. One of the things too, um, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's a reality of where we're at um, with benefits. You have traditional programs, which, you know, sometimes they're not affordable. So it's like, oh my gosh, we want to help our people, and maybe we do see the importance of benefits. We just can't afford that. Or you know, even if we put a little bit of a contribution, like our employees can't afford that, and so it puts this strain of well, what do we do? And you know, oftentimes people land in programs that are a little bit of a compromise where well. We can't really do what we want to do, so we'll do X, Y, or Z, and we kind of like patchwork something together that's a bit of a compromise. Um, and, and there's programs out there that can help, and we're not going to name them because this is not about tearing anything apart. Or uh, it's just I think I think we have to, as a community, think of new ways to bring innovation to something that's a serious problem called healthcare. Um, not to get all preachy, but. You know, we, we actually carry an unfair advantage called the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, it's in the book. Um, innovation, excellence, new ideas, we ought to own that as a church. I mean, just I'm just going to say it how it is. We ought to own that. And for a long time, especially, I mean, Lord, in healthcare, forget about it. We haven't touched that as a, as a body, as a church.
0: And I think it's time to start thinking about what we can do to own it a little more. So, Lewis, what would you say? Two things. What would you say to, to, to a, a church or a, a nonprofit that isn't providing benefits for their employees that is now trying to get their head around doing it? That's the first. And the second is, uh, churches that have been doing it for a long time, what do you think they should be thinking about? Sure. Um, if, you're, if you're playing around with the idea of offering benefits for the first time,
1: don't rush it. Do your due diligence, do your research. Um, don't think you have to fit into one thing or another um, as a, if you're small You have very limited options in the traditional, you know, quote-unquote normal markets So if you're gonna go to United Healthcare or Aetna or Cigna, if you're gonna work with a broker or consultant They're gonna shop those traditional programs The reality is those are all cookie cutters. So you essentially have small group ACA plans. They're fully insured and essentially you'll have each major market Aetna Cigna UHC etc cetera that will file products and rates with the state department of insurance. So it's set rates, set plans, and it's literally a cookie cutter menu and you pick something. That can work and that's absolutely something you ought to look at is all of the the small group ACA options that are out there for you. Um, You can look at the shared Christian healthcare programs. Um, Those are exploding by the way right now. They're getting a ton of growth Um, and there's a bunch of them out there. And I I have nothing bad to say about them, but it's really, really important to know what those are and what they are not. They are not insured products. They are not contracts. Um, There's pre-existing conditions. There's max benefits that can get paid out. There's morality clauses. Um, So it's just important to know what they are and what they're not. Um, And then there's unity. What a novel concept. What if uh, a bunch of churches or organizations came together and formed some sort of corporate pool for the purposes of benefits. Um, those are aggregation models, and there's a lot of them out there. I would strongly consider you look at what's out there. There's captives. There's mewas There's association health plans. Um, we're starting a really big one called Missio Benefits. Um, it offers a whole host of options that just don't exist if it's just you as a small little ministry. Um, You can control your data, you can control your plans, you can control how people interact with it, you can control what benefits are paid or not paid. So if you don't want to cover abortion or gender reassignment surgery, God bless you, that's fine. Um, It just affords you more options. Um, Since everyone listening presumably is faith-based, you're believers, uh, there's something called a church plan structure. That is a awesome thing. We have, talk about an unfair advantage, a church plan gets you out of a ton of red tape and uh, regulation, and it's a wonderful thing that very few uh, churches or ministries, because of their size, take advantage of. I will say this, um, we consult with most of the large ministries in the U.S., Okay. Every single one is structured as a church plan. A church plan does not mean you're a church. It means you're a faith-based organization, and you're big enough to self-fund. That's all it means. So there's lots of non-church groups out there that are all structured as church plans because it affords them advantages.
0: That's good said, at Life Church, I imagine you're able to specialize a little bit more in the HR world. You had a bigger HR staff. If you were walking into a church now as the only HR person, how would you approach this issue of benefits?
2: Uh, I would find an expert. <laughs> That's and a great answer. I would hire that person to help me. I would outsource a lot of it. Um, whether through something like that, you know, a real comprehensive plan that someone else is going to manage it. I'm not managing it as the HR staff member. Um, yeah, so outsourcing is probably what I would do. <laughs>
0: gotcha. it, 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 I mean, it, the the benefit side, the healthcare side is such a huge piece of the budget process. Let's talk about some of the other things that we should be thinking about.
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely things that. Um, I would look at it as what would I kind of put a dream list together of if I could offer these things to my staff, it would be a dream list and then go through that and choose the things that are going to truly add the most value to the most people on your staff. Um, And potentially even um, have a group of people weigh in on it uh, from all different diverse backgrounds or age groups or uh roles in your organization um family status and find out what what's going to add the most value for them um and and go from there like really start menuing out the things that you can add and every year kind of make it a goal to add at least one additional perk to being on staff or benefit you can offer to your team um our biggest ones certainly health insurance and then retirement I would say are the two biggies um, that you want to cover first and then from there build onto to it um, but there's tons of things you can add as perks to being on staff so I would go beyond even just hey if something awful happens we have insurance um, but also like how am I going to grow as a leader what does my future look like here on this team five years from now How will I have grown as an individual? Will my family be better? Will my finances be in better shape? Um, Will I be more more emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy? And in general, will I be a stronger follower of Christ? And um, find some real tangible ways to add those things into your HR budget um, so that you continue to lead the way, lead your staff towards more health holistically.
0: When you think about other categories that you should have in an HR budget, what about things that improve culture that have a budgetary implication?
2: So, things like um, education, uh, great conferences you can send your team to. You know, often I look at staff and they're just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and constantly doing ministry, and there's always um, a suck on them emotionally physically spiritually mentally um, some way to give them a chance to go um, retreat be refilled Um, so look definitely look for ways to do that for your team um, either as individuals or as a team building or your whole team um, depending on what you can do Um, and those can be all different cost you know ranges You can find ways to do it that are less expensive just to get started. Um, And then I would say things like team development, um, celebrating. (laughs) We're all good at, you know, getting through Christmas or getting through Easter or uh, whatever big event that we're trying to pull off as a staff team. Um, And if you don't slow down a little bit every now and then and really celebrate those things, um, your team can really miss out on that reflection and recognizing what God's doing in and through your team. Um, I'd put that in the budget. Um, it's like, don't just throw money at things though. Um, that's not, I don't, I think, you know, it can kind of sound like that. Like just, yeah, put this stuff in your budget and throw money at things, but really be intentional about where you want your staff to be five years from now. Um, it might be counseling, you know, offer counseling available for your staff. Um, for them, for their spouse, for anyone on their family, um, things like wellness reimbursement. Mm. If you want a healthy staff, you want low-cost <laughs> health insurance plans. You have a healthy, healthy staff, you want to incentivize them to get out and get healthy um, and to to make sure that just as a, a human, as a whole person, that they're taking care of themselves because they'll just be better at life <laughs> yeah. if you can take some of those – like. Add some of that stuff to them and take some things away that are just distractions from being able to do what God's called them to your organization to do.
0: Uh, real quick, Lewis, how does that that wellness incentive piece flow into the benefits? It, it's huge. Um, if you have a program you
1: offer today, so healthcare and some sort of wellness program, um, you already conceptually get that well-being is important. Um, but I would encourage you. Let's let's think of wellness from a person or human perspective, not a disease perspective. And it's really interesting. We, we think of wellness, it's, it's you know, go go get your, your biometric test or take a health risk appraisal or do your preventative screening. And, then, and people ought to do those things and they can be helpful tools. But what about their financial well-being? Um, you can offer the best benefits in the world if people are over their heads in debt and can't make a budget and aren't giving back. Uh, it's it's not going to be as effective <laughs> as we would hope. Um, what about spiritual well-being? Um, what about emotional well-being? We call, uh, you know, when you look at biopsychosocial health, so behavioral stuff, uh, we call that the iceberg where you see this little itty thing. It's like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, you know, people go through stuff. They're stressed. Yeah, that's life. They have kids. They don't sleep. But it's a huge iceberg. And we call contagion where um, you know, just because something manifests as expenses on a healthcare program, um, it doesn't mean that the, the actual claims, the medical and the pharma stuff, is what's causing the claim. You could have an underlying marital issue, and we see this all the time in the data with big uh, self-funded plans. You can have a financial, it could be a, a, an addiction, or a death in the family, or a divorce. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that causes what manifests as healthcare claims, and oftentimes. Well, well, you know, as believers, we get it. It doesn't actually show up in our strategies with wellness. So, I mean, shoot. You know, you're Kesson, you're from the South. You know, there's a saying, is the juice worth the squeeze? Um, yes. <laughs> have a financial wellness program. I mean, shoot, help people get out of debt. I mean, yeah. basics. Yes. Don't spend more than you make. Give. It's a good thing to do. We ought to do it as believers. Um, do we have... You know, what if someone shows up and they're suicidal? What the heck do we do? Is there a plan for that? Do we have an emergency response plan? Is there an EAP to help deal with that? Um, if, if someone needs spiritual counseling, you know, we as believers oftentimes think, oh yeah, well, they, they go to church, they're, they're fine, they, they, can just, they just need to get in their prayer closet with God. And yes, they do, but there can be a lot of things at the workplace that you can offer that are amazing. And the thing is it all matters and we've seen that make such a difference in the consumption patterns on a healthcare program when you actually
0: treat people like people and not a disease it matters yeah it's it's been really interesting tagging that and also because of what you said about um, making counseling available for staff that kind of thing just the the, the raising the level of awareness of the need for coaching Mm -hmm. uh, on staff and how leaders need coaches to thrive has been amazing for us to be a part of in the space that we work in and that's return on investment with new employees with first 90 days coaching Mm -hmm. Uh, it's next level coaching to help leaders break through so they don't burn out and that you don't have to go look for staff Uh, organizational health, we're involved with so much of that and it needs to be a part of the budget so that it's not a shock. Just as important as recruitment needs to be a part of the budget. You know, so many churches are realizing and and ministry organizations are realizing that they need to outsource this now because they don't have the time, they don't have the network, they're not living and breathing this day in and day out. But when they talk to a search group, they're surprised by the cost. And it's simply because they haven't attached that to uh, that line item in their budget Mm -hmm. uh, that we're going to have to replace this position at some point. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that?
2: Um, There's so much cost involved in backfilling a person. I think about, you know, just back on the counselling note, like a lot of times we are, when we're interviewing candidates, um, we're talking to them after the fact. The reason they're no longer in the position they were in before um, is emotional, mental, uh, spiritual angst that they've walked through at their church, um, or their organization. And they didn't get the help that they needed and they just burned out and they couldn't do it anymore. They just gave up and stepped off cause for their own emotional health. And I think about how, if you could get more proactive in that, um, uh, maybe you don't have to, you wouldn't have to backfill a position. <laughs> you could have better staff retention. Um, but along the lines of um, what did you say? Replacement cost. Um, there's. Think of all the the leaders on your team that are going to spend energy on staffing just one position. What if you have two or three or four positions that you have to staff? Those people, their job description probably doesn't have staffing anywhere in it, and all of a sudden we're going to m- expect them to be an expert on Finding a great person, finding lots of people to choose from, an expert on doing research on that person, making sure they have the competency for the job, and then interviewing them, all the soft costs of the people that need to be involved in the interview process. Um, just It just keeps going. There's so much time invested in it.
0: And that's not even starting to talk about the fact that you can't afford a bad hire. Right. Yeah, we. That's a whole other
2: episode. Yeah, the equity you lose, man. Yeah, certain roles. You put somebody in that role. Three months later, they're out. You have just lost the trust of that team, the people who attend and, and that's often that's rough.
0: that's when uh, organizations will contact a staffing group they've done a 12-month st- uh, search on their own mm-hmm. they lost that staff member they're fatigued and now they're working with a group like us and that's that's a hard relationship to cultivate once they've been through all of that we'd rather get them on the front end uh, you said Lewis something about uh, financial counseling that kind of thing um, we often the staffing process will suggest doing credit checks on on potential leaders so that we know coming in if there's if there's any issues there. Another thing that we can budget for in in a support aspect are, are things like Financial Peace University with Dave yeah. Ramsey. What what would could you speak well, to that? Uh, Ramsey uh, actually has a worksite program
1: designed specifically for employers called Smart Dollar. Um, you know, and there's there's lots of what what we would define as financial wellness curriculum. They're all web-based. It's on your phone and it's a process whereby you actually put your credit cards, your, your checking account, how much do I make? And it actually integrates it all into a budgeting tool so it's easy. So, you know, whether you're tech savvy or not, you just put it in and bam, it shows you like, oh my gosh, there's a major problem here or you're doing okay. Um, you know, there's LearnVest. There's there's several programs out there. Um, those things, they, they cost almost nothing. And we've seen Um, And I kid you not we had we had one, um, you know billion dollar nonprofit we work with they had a $700,000 aggregate financial turnaround in like four months just in their employees I mean, it was like we're really like they paid off that much debt and put that much more into savings About a year and a half into the program. They're at almost about two million dollars of turnaround. We're like Here's the thing. Um, I don't care if it's a ministry or a big corporation that's secular people struggle with money. I mean, they do. And it's it's a fallacy to think that it's not inside the church. It is, and people need help. And there's some really good tools out there to help them um, uh, you know, be better stewards. And when they're better stewards, they're better able to interact with the type of benefit strategies that are optimal for an organization, meaning uh, HSAs, consumerism, shared responsibilities, the, the the things that work, that are sustainable, that can levelize trend as far as increases in cost, um, you have to have your folks on board uh, to manage the, the cash flow components of that. And if they're in debt over their head, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Another thing we find we've found in our line of work, Cassidy, is that people don't leave jobs; they leave managers. Yeah, as we as we talk about budgeting and what to think about, how do we how do we guard against that in an organization?
2: Um, budget for training your managers. I talk to so many churches that just put people in leadership over someone because they've been a great individual contributor, but they've never been a people leader. And then they get into the role of people leadership, and they, they don't know how unless their own leader has been someone who really developed that in them. And so whether it's coaching uh, from some external source or it's uh, sending them to some kind of training, um, budget something for your people leaders so that they know how to do it um, because you can't afford <laughs> – for the uh you can't afford the long tail that that has when you have a a bad manager in a position of influence on your team um and sometimes you don't know early enough you don't know until it's a crisis a lot of times that that there's a real lack of leadership or unhealthy leadership uh, on one of your teams
0: Mm, that's good again this one's a budget of time let's talk a little bit about the onboarding experience
2: Ooh, definitely plan for it. <laughs> um, be intentional. Uh, that first impression, uh, you know, the site visit's so great. So many churches are great at site visit. They really want to court and woo that candidate, their, that spouse, um, to their team, to move to this wonderful community, to do ministry for these amazing people in our community Um to take this role, and we're such a great church, and look at our culture, and here's why we love you, and there's this really great experience they have in the site visit, and then um, I've seen some candidates, they show up for their first day (laughs) of work, and their leader's not there, or uh, they've got to move all their stuff out of a moving truck, and no one's there to help them. Or their spouse just instantly feels disconnected. They don't know anybody. Um, You know, that transition, if a family is moving from somewhere to come to your organization to work, um, that's an enormous stressor for a family. There is so much that can go wrong through that process. Financially, they may be stressed. Um, Just, (laughs) I know for us, (laughs) when we moved uh, from Florida, um, or sorry, from North Carolina to Oklahoma, um, our truck broke down half the way. Um, we had terrible family news during that trip. I cried the whole way to Oklahoma. We called it the Trail of Tears. But um, that you just never know what a family is actually walking through, so make sure you know. Ask them. In the weeks and months leading up to them coming, check in with them. Make sure they know you're still excited that they're coming. Make sure that they feel like you're anticipating their arrival and the arrival of your family. I would say um, things like have everybody on your staff uh, call if you, or everyone that's going to be regularly interacting with that new team member that they call and welcome them to the team. Um, somebody mentioned earlier that uh, there's a company that when they hire, they make an offer. Uh, to a candidate for a position on their team, that the whole group comes in for that video conference call and is in the background applauding um, as they invite that person to come to their team and and celebrate that it's a great fit for their team. Um, So think through ways like that, historic agency, they have really, (laughs) if they bring somebody new on their team. Um, they have a magnet made of their face, and it's on the fridge in their common area and little things like that that can really communicate the culture of your team and make that first impression, not just for that new team member, but if, they're, if it's a whole family you're bringing in um, for their whole family, because there's just so much that's under the surface of the stress of starting a new job, that transition from one to the other, a move, all new things oh my goodness, I'm stressed just thinking about it.
0: <laughs> One of the things we love to do at Slingshot is celebrate the hires, yeah. you know, put a picture on social media and really celebrate that, celebrate breakthroughs in coaching. And when I think about the onboarding process, it can really affect return on investment with a new hire and they can bring value to that organization quicker if you're more intentional about that onboarding experience. I mean, simple things like having a computer for them and a desk yeah. on the first day and just... Think thinking through a lot of those details can make a huge huge difference. I tell you what as a as a benefits guy, so
1: I'm not necessarily involved in on the uh, the minutia of onboarding, but the the groups that get this right, you can cuz I walk into all sorts of different ministries and nonprofits and churches and stuff, you feel it. You you literally feel it. I I had one instance just how important it is where I, you know, open enrollment, you get up on, you you know, here's the new benefits and, and everyone and, falls and
2: asleep. While I you're got talking. a, sta- I,
1: so I got up, I got a standing ovation when I got up on the stage and I was like, Woo! what the heck? Like, are you kidding me? And, and it was like a genuine thing coming out of this place of just, they honor each other. And I, I, I don't, I mean, that's more your guys world and how you develop the cultural part of it. I'm just the, the benefits data geek. Um, but, but I tell you what, the, the ones that have it, you feel it. It is something you literally, it is a tangible
0: thing in their culture. It is awesome. Yeah. What about budgeting for uh, work anniversaries and that kind of oh, thing? Oh yeah. Talk Birthdays, a bit about
2: work anniversaries. Um, you know, if you, again, look back at the data on your team, where do you, like, what's the tenure of your staff? Where do you lose them? Is it at a year and a half? Some places, 18 months in, they're already looking for the door. Is it three years, they've kind of mastered their ministry area feeling unchallenged there's nowhere for them to grow on your team like figure out where do we lose people where's our turnover happening is there a trend and how do we get ahead of that if it's at the three-year mark celebrate big when a staff member hits three years on your team buy them a gift send them on a trip do something meaningful to celebrate because we all know (laughs) Church years are like dog years, right? (laughs) Like, um, so three years on staff at a church is like 21 years of experience. Um, Congratulations, you have retained them for that length of time. They have stuck it out, um, and potentially, you know, really have been able to thrive and grow a ministry area. Congratulate them for that. Reward them for it. Um, And I like to do it in ways that aren't necessarily like an extra bonus check maybe that too but um, really something that feels like a luxury to them um, to reward that length if it's five years wherever that time is that you feel like you kind of lose momentum with your staff or you start to wonder if they're going to be with you much longer Um, look at your whole team and figure out how can we reward this milestone on our team
0: and if you don't have a budget, make it meaningful, right? Get creative. A, a dinner with a senior leader can replace the value of, you know, a watch or yeah. something like that. If, it, it really it's in the it, it's in the recognition. And so often churches will maybe not have the budget to do it, and yeah. just it'll get overlooked, and that's the worst thing.
2: Yeah, it could be a trophy. Like different people. Some people want a gift card. Some people want dinner with the senior pastor. Some people would feel. Greater valued if, if you lined up childcare and a date night for them and their spouse. Um, so maybe have a budget for it and then say, you know, hey, maybe it's a trophy
0: because
2: yeah. they made it a year. Like, wherever you want to celebrate, it doesn't have to cost much. It could be a magnet of your face on the fridge because mm. you made it a year. <laughs> like, maybe that's not their gift when they come on your team. It's a gift when they stay there for a year. Yeah. Um, I, I want to start giving people a magnet of their face uh, for staying on staff a year. That would be fun.
0: I was talking recently <laughs> to an experienced director at a big church, and they were having budget issues, and he was getting hit on, on the, the food budget that they would have mm-hmm. backstage. And I said, I bet you there is somebody in your church family who would love to cater for backstage as part of what they give to the church. And the food would be way better than anything you could buy. And so it's getting creative about these things. You know, I think when we're at the beginning of starting a budget for HR, it feels so big. But it's that old adage if you can't do everything, just do something. Sure. And it's not always a course that you have to fly somebody to another city for. It can just be a great book or a great podcast. Seriously, there there is so much around and available. Um, Kessa this is this is one for you. Um, it, it probably isn't a surprise to you that a lot of staff members at churches may roll their eyes when it comes to the idea of HR. And I think, I suspect that you've had a lot of fun with it at Life Church. Talk a little bit about how, um, and and it may or may not have a budgetary implication. I imagine it probably does a little bit. But how do you make HR attractive to the staff?
2: Uh, try to. <laughs> Uh, so sometimes you have to just make it fun. So the stuff that we found um, people would just kind of fall asleep to. Uh, they weren't interested. They weren't engaged. We tried to really make those meetings, like benefits meetings, as funny as possible, like engaging, interactive, because uh, we need them to know the information. <laughs> so we were like, but they're totally tuning us out because um, it's just Sorry, no offense, everybody. Me too. It's just boring sometimes. No, it's was never, never.
1: (laughs) Uh, I tell you what, the, the, the organizations that have the culture part right, they make benefit meetings fun. Oh,
2: yeah, they do. They'll,
1: they'll have like a Wheel of Fortune theme or yeah. something going on. You have on. to have
2: door prizes. Giveaway,
1: giveaway, giveaway, raffle price galore. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, you know. Trivia.
2: You yeah. get a car and you get a car. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Why not? Yeah.
1: If, if you're b- budget for it and you can. You're right. Yeah. The, uh, I tell you what, uh, it, it, behavior is very predictable. We've said that in other uh, episodes. Uh, if you incentivize people, they will follow the money. And if you do that right, it works very well and it is possible to make a benefits meeting a highlight of the year and not some boring thing. I've seen it done.
2: It's funny. You put people in uh, at tables and circles in those meetings and you just give them one thing to talk about that you need them to like absorb of the information. Like, Hey, at your table, why doesn't everybody share one of their favorite benefits on staff here at our church? And then, okay, everybody talk. And then you come back together and say okay pick somebody from your table to share with the room what their favorite benefit is and why and just figure out how to get them interacting with the content just like you would facilitate any event um the same rules apply even if the content that you really need them to absorb tends to lean on the less interesting side Sorry, use Lewis.
1: common <laughs> language that's rule 101 a lot of times you get into these meetings you'll have people like me get up and uh, grab a microphone and no one has any idea what we're saying mm-hmm. and it's like uh, can you translate that so uh, you know it's allowable it's not uh, you know against the rules you can use common vernacular when explaining benefits and make it real like actually use examples of like hey you know uh, Bob did this with his wife and look how the money they saved and like actually give real life stuff that people like oh wow I didn't even know that you could do that or you can negotiate a bill at the hospital? What? You can make payments that are no interest? What, what could you do? Oh, my gosh, I would have saved how much money? Um, I mean, make it real for people. Um, and do not do not just sit and put a big spreadsheet on a screen and just say, the deductible is this, and it's moving to this, and you co-insurance, and here's your co-pays, and here's the out-of-pockets. And just if that's your benefits meeting, people just get depressed because, it's probably a higher deductible or something's worse and they'll pick that out and it doesn't help
0: culture. Yeah. Final thoughts for those that are, that are final thoughts for those that are tackling budgets right now.
2: Um, i I want to just add like um, budget in increases, <laughs> um, you know, compensation adjustments, um, definitely should be tied to performance. And if you can plan on budgeting in, um, increases for your staff, um, whether that be cost of living increases or, um, this person has exceeded our expectation on their job description, they've gone above and beyond what was required of them in their role. Let's reward them for it. Let's consider an increase. So plan for that. Um, and be as generous as you can uh, when it comes to that. And I've, I'm a believer that your compensation uh, should be tied to your performance. <laughs> and I think any time as a leadership team you can be real clear about what that expectation is um, and then let them know, you know, what's what's on the other end. Yes, it's all for the kingdom. It is ministry. It is um, definitely our the benefits, the increases, uh, are more spiritual and intangible and, and eternal. Um, but when it comes to just making sure your team knows that they're recognized, they're valued, their contribution is seen and appreciated. Um, if you can budget that in, definitely try.
1: Don't accept things the way they are and, and know that you do not have to have benefits. Um, be the, the biggest stress point in your life as a ministry as far as how, how you allocate funds and growth, etc. Um, be willing to look at new ideas and concepts um, and believe that you don't have to just accept a 10% increase, a 15% increase, a 20 and that's just the way it is. So uh, there's innovations out there, um, and, and and be uh, Or Is that a word? Inten- you know what I'm trying to say. Intentional thank you. See, I need the smart people to help me, um, about looking for those innovations. And, and you know, I think that uh, you guys are going to get very far with that.
0: Yeah. Healthy, growing culture is everything, but you have to plan for it, be creative and budget for it. And remember, don't be a Toby Put people first. Thanks for listening.